0: No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Messenic. Let's dig in. I sugar. I like- Welcome to episode 211, an interview with client Laura Young. hello, hello. Hello how are you all happy (laughs) mid-january how are y'all doing with all the things you want to do this year in 2023 are we staying strong are we waning what's going on (laughs) i am here for you so i want you to feel inspired that you can keep going and keep doing what you want to do keep focused on your goals believe in yourself by listening to this podcast episode where I had client Laura Young come on and share her story. Laura has a beautiful story, a gut-wrenching story where she lost her son, uh, six years ago now, I believe. And she found me and my free wine free work week challenge and joined that challenge and decided to change her relationship with alcohol and stop numbing so she could start living again. And she found herself in unhealthy patterns with dealing with the loss of her son. And she recognized that she was ready to live. And so she said yes to herself in doing this work. And it's a beautiful interview. Laura is such an example of what is possible when you decide that you're ready to start doing things differently and the work that's involved in doing that. So enjoy this episode friends. We are having a couple more dry January events that you'll want to check out. We will link those up in the show notes. Um, one being this week called beyond dry January, and then a one on the last week of January called dry January evaluation where I'm going to help you evaluate what happened this month what went well for you maybe what didn't go well and how you want to move forward and have a plan with what you want to do that now that dry January is over for you so don't miss those free classes also don't forget to sign up for what's next I'm going to be sharing my new offerings here in the next few weeks and I don't want you to miss out but you have to be on that list to be the first to know So make sure you click through and get on the list to receive an email to hear about what's happening next. Even if you're already on my email list, you got to be on this specific list to find out what's happening because there's limited quantity. It's going to be super exciting, super fun, and I don't want you to miss out on that. And it will probably sell out. So make sure you go go over there and you click and you enter your email to, to be on the list to find out what's happening next. All right, my friends, enjoy the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. Well, y'all gave you a little introduction before Laura came on, but I want Laura to kind of share where she was when she joined the program and sort of what was going on with her in her life at the time where she started working with me. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Laura. And of course, we're going to link up how to connect with Laura online and all the things in the show notes. So take it away, Laura. Well, um, I found Angela in
1: November of 2016, or 2020. My son had passed away November the 27th of 2016. And um, I was a mess prior to finding Angela. I was able to go to work and function at work, but on my way home every day, I would stop and buy a bottle of wine. And I would come home and drink it as fast as I could so I could forget. Mm-hmm. And I did that for four years. And as I was scrolling on Facebook one day, I saw an uh, advertisement for the wine free work week, and I signed up for it. And I went the first night, which was the day after my son's what I always call his angelversary. Mm-hmm. And I remember typing in the comments, I don't think I can do this. Uh, my son's birthday is coming up and on the 1st of December, and I don't think I can do it without wine. And Angela said, you're in the right place at the right time. And December 1st of 2020 was the first year I spent sober on Michael's birthday since he died. I did some special things in his honor. I went out to breakfast and I paid for breakfast for a random stranger. I went to a local bakery and bought a cake for a kid, um, and I paid for it anonymously with a gift card. And it turns out he was home with COVID and his grandparents did a porch pick pickup, uh, picked up the cake and did a porch um, drop-off for him. Mm-hmm. It was a Little boy. And then I ended up sending him Legos for Christmas because every little boy likes Legos. Aww. And I went to the grocery store and just stuck money at random places um, in between rice and noodles and things that people that don't have a lot of money would hopefully find. And it was the first year that I spent sober in four years on his birthday. Wow. Wow. So Angela then um, gave the invitation to join her program. And I filled out the application and I had a consult with her. And it was a Friday. And I said, when do we start? And she said, right now. (laughs) I said, let me think about this over the weekend which in my mind, I was thinking, okay, let me drink about this over the weekend. Right. And within half an hour, I texted her back and said, sign me up. Yeah. So I joined her program to stop learning to, to stop over drink, but it has changed my life in so many more ways than just stopping drinking. Mm,
0: I love that story, Laura. Thank you so much. And I I remember that. And I just... Like I felt you so hard when you wrote that in the Facebook chat, and I just I didn't know like what happened, you know, like then or if you ended up drinking or what what you did. But later, I think you shared, you know, like obviously you joined the program, but later you shared that um, that cake that you bought. Like, didn't that end up on like USA Today or something? Like, what it did it become like a news it headline? It
1: was one. It was on a Facebook uh, Southern York County where I live uh, Facebook group page. And about 20 people automatically recognize me that I work with.
0: (laughs) So what happened? So the mom posted, hey, does somebody know this person who bought this cake for my son? Like, how did that happen?
1: Well, no, she posted thank you to Mike's mom, because that's how I signed the card. Ah. Mike's mom. Um, And she said, you know, she put a little thank you on Facebook. And people said, I know who it is. I know who it is. Do you want to know? And she actually said, no, I'd prefer to just think of her as Mike's mom until she tells me who she is.
0: Wow. So, so happened.
1: Well, then um, somebody that I know that knew her sent me the link to the USA Today page. And it still just had me listed as Mike's mom, because at that point I hadn't. And then I finally texted her and told her who I was.
0: Wow. So how did it get to USA Today that that happened? It was in our local York Daily Record. And then so like somebody in- picked up the story that this local boy who had COVID, some stranger bought him a cake on his birthday and signed it Mike's mom. Right. And so it was just kind of like a feel good community piece.
1: Right. That's what it started out in our local paper, which yeah. I guess somebody in USA Today follows all those you know, ends up in the, in the good news wow. part of the paper.
0: <laughs> yes. Isn't that beautiful?
1: It was. Yeah. yeah. And I've continued to do that. It's never gone back on, but I do continue to buy a cake every year for a random stranger.
0: Wow. I buy a gift
1: card. I stick it inside a birthday card. And then I always just sign up for Mike's mom.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. I think like giving back when you're feeling bad is really helpful, right? Like I, I know like if I'm having a bad day or something, which compares not to losing a child, obviously, but whenever I am feeling off or sad and I help people, I feel better about that. Right. Like I feel better about myself, the world, like I'm doing something with it. And so you've made that a tradition now for that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I do, I try to, I take his birthday off from work and I do just random, random things. And then his little brother and I usually go out for dinner, you know, for his birthday. And we usually end up at Mission Barbecue for Ribs because it was Michael's favorite place. (laughs) And he loved barbecued ribs. This year he would have turned 30. And on the Saturday after his birthday, we had a Michael should be turning 30 party.
0: Mm -hmm. And my
1: family all met at my cousin's house. He's halfway between all of us. And I ordered lobster for Maine (laughs) and we had lobster rolls and clam chowder and shrimp. And we had a Michael should be turning 30 party. That's amazing. And it was amazing. And it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And it
1: was surrounded me with all my family and the people that I love most in the world to help me survive
0: it. Yeah. And I also think like compared that where you were on that party to where you were, four years ago, like that wouldn't even have even been possible for you, right? No,
1: it would not have been
0: possible. Yeah. So like, what were you doing at that time around holidays and birthdays and family get togethers? Like, how would you deal with it? I would drink Mm -hmm.
1: because I wanted to numb out and forget. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I would go to the family's house on holiday. Sometimes I stayed home Mm -hmm. and most of the time it was home with a bottle of wine.
0: Yeah. So you like wouldn't even like most of the time go out or like even engage in it much?
1: Nope, I didn't. Um, Holidays were spent a lot of time scrolling on Facebook and crying because I was looking at everybody else's wonderful, what you think is their wonderful holiday and their wonderful family. And, you know, and I would sit and cry and I would scroll on Facebook and I would get very angry and I would get very jealous. And what I didn't realize at the time, well, I did realize it, but it didn't really click in my head that I'm only seeing what somebody wants me to see. I'm not Mm -hmm. seeing what's behind the scenes. I'm not seeing that they had a humongous fight about what they, you know, I didn't see any of that. I just saw Mm -hmm. what people wanted me to see. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And there came a point where I decided I was tired of sitting around watching other people live and I wanted to figure out how to live. Mm -hmm. And after joining your program, I made 2021 be the year I wanted to live again. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was a lot of hard work. It was a lot of failures. It was a lot of. Doing just doing the work, a lot of spent a lot of time in self-reflection and self-coaching. Yeah. But
0: I at that point in time. A lot of time learning about your feelings, right? And not being scared of the feelings that you were having. Right. Or or having agenda. Like having that agenda. Like I should, I should be on, like this is a milestone, or this is it's been so long. Like I shouldn't still be this upset about it or whatever, right? Like we coached a lot about that. We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And allowing those feelings, no matter where you are in the process, like your feelings are always valid and should always be listened to and felt and processed.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. it, it I mean, mean, two years later and I'm still in the program. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not only are you still in the program, but we'll get we'll get to like what's happening with Laura now. But you became a mentor in the program because you just you had such dramatic changes in such a short amount of time. Like you really went in to the work, like what, what do you think was your mindset about doing the work? So like the work, just if you don't know the details of my program um, it's, you know, it's a lot of writing it's there's workbooks every month and videos and a high frequency um, a lot of coaching calls. So that takes a time commitment and a dedication, right. To do that kind of work. And you did it though. Like you, you went in, you started making drink plans. You started doing the work. Like what what do you think about you or what was your mindset or thoughts around doing this and figuring this out?
1: I actually pulled out my first journal, <laughs> the one that you sent me Okay. <laughs> when I was thinking about this because, and I pulled out my first journal to um, see, because I wasn't a journaler. I was often on a journaler be- journal or mm-hmm. journal, whatever it is, <laughs> <Before> journaler. That, <laughs> um, I was often and on, and I would, I had probably 15 journals that had about 10 pages written. in, And you sent me after that uh, wine free work week, a journal and a special little pen. And I still use that special pen every Mm -hmm. time I journal. And I went back and I looked and a lot of the stuff that I would put in there was my goal was I'm not going to overdrink. And Mm -hmm. I would put as my thoughts, I don't I don't need alcohol to have fun. I don't need alcohol to go to sleep. I don't need alcohol. I, di- I don't drink alcohol in response to my feelings. Mm. They were my top. Th- and I would write them every single day in my journal.
0: Mm.
1: And I learned quickly that even if I had a failure, if I went off drink plan and I drank, you know, more than I should to do the evaluation that you would, that you do what, 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 well, what, what did I do? Right. What did, what, I don't remember what they all are.
0: <laughs> it's what, what worked What, what, worked, did work, work, what to do different. And what, yeah. What would I do differently next time? So you did that. That's, I mean, really like we should talk about that because that growth that we have in the failure is the most important thing that you can do. Right. So like it's not about being perfect. And I really want you to hear this about Laura because she for sure was not perfect. She was definitely like a great student, did the work and stuff like that, but there was no perfection in this. And And so, yeah. And there's still like, we're still always me too. Like we're working on things like we're getting deeper about stuff. We're seeing more patterns. And, but when you have a failure or you don't follow your plan perfectly, a lot, most people just want to give up. They're like, it's not working. I'm just going to start again some other time or they'll push off doing that. Right. They'll avoid it, whatever, or they'll be really hard on on themselves. But the people that are the most successful, like Laura, take the time to go figure out what happens. Like, why did I drink off my plan? Like what was going on for me that day? So Mm -hmm. you got to learn about yourself and your patterns with curiosity so that you could fix it going forward. If we're not willing to see it, it's really hard to change. So you did that so beautifully inside the program. You got regular coaching on it too.
1: Well, the other thing that I did was early on, I decided they weren't failures because I am not a failure and I don't think of myself as a failure. Mm-hmm. I started calling them opportunities to learn.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: And I would call them opportunities to learn because, you know, I didn't like thinking of myself. I, I got to the point where I don't beat myself up anymore. Yeah. When something happens, I go off plan, I do something that, you know, I overeat, I might have an extra glass of wine if I go out to dinner. Um, I don't beat myself up anymore. Yeah. You no, know, it happened. It's done. How can I learn from this? And how do I move on?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you have the most growth, right? Like there's just awareness and then, okay, I'm, I'm moving on. I'm going to do this differently. Next time I see that pattern a little bit more clearly now, next time I can try this little tip, tip or strategy or something to see if that works. And then you go try it. And then sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And there's just more learning happening.
1: Well, and I've always been an early riser. And in Mm -hmm. the past, what I would do is get up early in the morning and I would, putts around the house and I would turn on TV land and watch some stupid show. Or, <laughs> and, but what I switched to doing was I still get up early because that's just me, mm-hmm. but I sit with my cup of tea with my blanket wrapped around me and I do my journaling
0: mm-hmm. and I do
1: my plan for the day and it just helps ground me and keep me and I write mm-hmm. my goals out and it just helps keep me grounded and it helps keep me um, intentional about my day, Yeah. what yeah. I'm going to do. Yeah. And there's very few days I don't get up early and there's very few days I don't, um, skip journaling. Now I have on occasion, but I like to find my little spot
0: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) and sit and write in. That's just my time for me. When nobody else is awake, the house is quiet.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I usually have a cat in my lap (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I just, that's when I just sit and write.
0: Yeah. Tell me how you or tell them how you would handle upcoming social events or holidays. Like what was your process in working through that as you were in the program and learning about your feelings and being intentional and all of that? Like what was your process for navigating some of those more difficult situations?
1: So I would write my goal out. And my goal is if I was going and it was a holiday and I knew we were going to be you know, somebody would have drinks, I would put my plan down. And I set it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I would always I would do visualization. And I would just sit and picture myself at the pool party at the my cousin's house, wherever I'm picturing myself just at the beach, sitting with my cup of tea versus a glass of wine. And I did a lot of visualization of what um, what what I wanted it to look like. Mm. And that that was the, that works Um, because I've already, so once I got there and the first one I went on was a beach trip with my sisters. That was the first big thing I went on and we got coaching on it because I was scared to death. Yeah. And I pictured it in my head exactly how I wanted it to go. And it went exactly how I wanted it to go. Because I had, by the time I got there, I'd already done it 10 times in my head.
0: Yeah. So tell, tell them like back it up a minute. And like, so normally, normally, like say you're working on your relationship with alcohol and you've got this social event coming up and you, it's normally a drink fest for yourself. Normally people freak out about that. Right. It's just kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. This is the first time I'm going to be around people who drink or whatever. And like, we freak out about it. Right. Right. Like that's just normal that that happens. Right. Cause it's an unknown thing. It's, we haven't really experienced it that way before. And so you, you recognized that, that you were a little concerned about, it. you got coaching on it. So what, what were you thinking before that though? Like, what were you worried that it wouldn't, that you'd be pressured? You wouldn't be fun. Like what was going through your mind? Well, some of
1: it was, I was worried that I wouldn't, that it wouldn't be any fun. I was mm-hmm. worried that everybody would be like, well, aren't you going to have wine? Aren't you going to have wine? Aren't you going to? And um, I worried about that in social situations. Am I going to be fun? Is anybody going to want to? Talk to me, and what I found through doing it all, as every, and I get better and better at it, is that nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares if it's a glass of diet coke in my hand or a glass of wine.
0: Yeah.
1: And this past Saturday, I was actually at a game night that a friend of mine had, and there was punch there, and I poured the punch in my cup, and I took a sip, and I went, Nancy, what's in this? <laughs> it's sangria. And Nancy doesn't drink, so I was not expecting it to be alcoholic. Yeah. So I just sort of sat with it in my hand for a little while and then walked over to the sink and dumped it out and poured myself a Diet Coke and nobody cared because I had made that commitment to do dry January Mm. and my word for the year is committed. So Mm. I like took one sip and I'm like, because she doesn't, it was one of my friends who doesn't drink. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. But people that she invited do. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So nobody cared. I mean, we had a game night, we played games and we had a lot of fun and some people were drinking and some of us weren't.
0: Yeah. And it was fun. yeah, I definitely think just kind of going back to like the whole beach thing, we make way more drama about this stuff in our heads. And if you don't learn how to manage that, that will become your reality, right? So a lot of people will talk themselves out of not being alcohol-free or using a drink plan or cutting back in those situations. And they just say, screw it, right? Cause they're so sick of that negative story that they're telling themselves about how awful it'll be and it won't be fun um yeah so you got you that was a tool that you use and you learned about right visualizing success if you're gonna spend so much time in your head thinking about it happening you might as well think about it happening in a good way instead of in that negative way
1: and I also told my family ahead of time
0: yes I,
1: mean, I didn't do it i I did it in a text because mm-hmm. hey, I hadn't told anybody I was doing this program yet Like Mm -hmm. my family didn't know I was, Mm -hmm. and, um, I sent a text out, this is what I'm doing. And just for the record, I don't care if you guys drink, you can drink Mm -hmm. if you want to, I will not be drinking on the trip.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we went to a really nice restaurant that had, um, barrel, like wine on tap and Mm -hmm. oak barrels. And my Mm -hmm. sisters all had wine and I drank an iced tea (laughs) and they were perfectly fine with it. Cause yeah. they said, if you don't want us to drink. We won't. And I'm like, I don't care if you drink. I mean, this is your vacation too. And if you want to, that's fine. Yeah. I'm not going to.
0: Yes. I love the communication ahead of time to the people. It, I think it helps you just kind of set, it helps recommit your commitment to yourself and you're verbalizing that out loud in a text or however. And then it just kind of lets the other people have that moment of like, Oh, like if they feel unexpected about that to kind of deal with that on their own when you're not face to face. Right. And if you're already nervous about it, showing up and saying that in person, it's just, it can amplify your nerves a little bit to, it can be awkward in that, well, I don't know how they're going to react. And like, you don't have to deal with any of that. If you can just let people know ahead of time and give yourself a little bit of space around it is a really good Um, tool that we can all probably utilize just you know people have questions about it they can ask you about it beforehand before you're in the moment of this maybe some people have social anxiety or awkwardness or whatever you know difficult family situations Um, I think setting that intention ahead of time and letting people know that you trust is a really good idea it's also not required like you could have went and not said anything and just said no I don't want to drink but for you that worked really well.
1: It did work well for me. And it yes, yeah.
0: yeah. do you feel like you need to do that still give people no. a heads up? Like you're just like, it doesn't matter to you anymore. It
1: doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter. And I can say, I don't have that same anxiety in social situations because what mm-hmm. I found out over the last two years is nobody cares if I'm drinking or not. Yeah. Somebody might say, Hey, do you want a glass of wine? I'll be like, no, thank you. I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I found out really truly that people don't, they really don't care.
0: Yeah. That's or at least
1: my friends don't. If it's somebody that's like trying to push alcohol on me that, you know, then they're not really my friend anyway.
0: Yeah. And yeah, we might get some of those, right? And it's it's I think it's great to just make a comment on that. Sometimes people will say something and and it's not nice, you know, like they'll make a comment or they'll try to push it on your ask you, like, why can't you just have one? That kind of stuff. And it's just like, you know, that's more about them and what like it's almost like you're threatening their relationship with alcohol. <laughs> you know? And so if they, if, you know, if you guys notice that or have that, we're sorry, and you should get better friends. No, I'm just kidding. But it might just be worth a conversation later. Like, Hey, you know, like, this is not about you not drinking less. It's about me. And this is what I'm choosing for me. And it feels good for me to do that. And so that's what I'm going to be doing right now. You know, it's like, we're not trying to take anything away from anybody. We're just trying to focus on our own health and our own goals. Right. Yeah, nothing to be ashamed of either to not drink, right? And it's not. Yeah. And the time, the social situations I've
1: been in when people have been like, "Hey, don't you want?" is usually work related
0: mm. with the group
1: of you know, and there might be a vendor that's like paying, and it's an open bar, and people mm. just are like, "Hey, have a drink, have a drink, it's free, it's free alcohol." And I had even been at my boss's wedding, and it's I'd been in the program about a year at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And we were at her wedding and I drank a half a glass of wine to toast
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I put it down because it was Chardonnay and I don't like Chardonnay and I never would have thought I could go to a wedding and have half a glass of wine but yeah. I was as I was drinking and I'm like this isn't even worth drinking it's not the kind I like and yeah. it was the only white wine option I had so <laughs> yeah it's and, and I never would have thought I could go to a wedding and drink half a glass of wine
0: yeah. I know you, we make it sound like you, you sound so casual about it. Like mm-hmm. it's not a big deal, but like, I think to remember what Laura said in the beginning, like you were drinking a bottle a night, right. Before, like where you, when you joined the program that, that at least, right. And then probably more so. on the weekends or on vacations or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you to come now, like a year into the program be like, yeah, I just had this, like, it, it was just not a big deal. Like there was a lot that had to happen for you to get there. There right? was. There was right. And you're very like, you're past it now, though. So I think that's what I think the message here is like, it is absolutely possible. If Laura can do this stuff through terrible, painful, emotional things and events in your life, you know, most people can, right? Like, if you're willing to connect with yourself and feel your feelings and, you know, plan and be intentional around things, it absolutely is possible. So what do you think like the biggest thing for you, like in the beginning ar- around the emotions? Like, what do you think the biggest hurdle you had to overcome or um thing that kind of clicked for you that helped you the most?
1: Well, I don't know that I ever had heard the whole idea of processing emotions before. And mm-hmm. when you explained how the emotions and our feelings are that vibration in our body, and I got in tune to feeling them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember you saying life is 50, 50, you're going to have half of these negative emotions and half positive emotions and it's okay to not be okay. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking on those days that I'm sad, it's okay that I'm just sad. Yeah. I don't have to numb it with alcohol. I don't have to overeat to just stuff down those feelings. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be sad. And that was one of the biggest real revelations in the beginning for me was just going through that every day. What am I feeling?
0: Mm -hmm. setting my
1: alarm to like chime every couple of hours. So I could sit and take even 15 minutes, check in with myself. How Mm -hmm. am I feeling? What am I feeling? What does it feel like?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I got pretty good at learning how to process those emotions and knowing that everything that I'm, that everything that I felt, and all those emotions are okay to have.
0: Yeah. And not thinking that they shouldn't be there or you should be past things by now, or you wish you didn't feel this way. Right. Like, we had to work on that, of course, like it wasn't as easy as, you know, I'm just yeah. going to be okay with my feelings. <laughs> right. And like that, especially sometimes we're not even aware that we're rejecting how we're feeling or we're, we're thinking we wish we didn't feel this way, or we are trying to push it along a lot faster than it needs to be. Um, but you were patient, right. And you just like, we're willing to kind of go with the, with the flow and plan and check in and, really understand yourself and like, what were you, what you were experiencing emotionally?
1: Well, and what I did in the beginning too, when I first signed up was you sent the workbooks mm-hmm. and I sent them all to Staples
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I had them all bound and I had all six months done at one time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Cause I remember you saying that you were going to tweak the program a little bit in 2021. And mm-hmm. I, t- I you and said, can I print out all these workbooks or should I wait? Mm-hmm. <laughs> ahead and doing the work I remember looking at that and going oh my gosh how long is this going to take me every day and I don't I don't have time for this
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I made the time for it and I did the workbooks and I was intentional about doing them mm-hmm. learning how to process the feelings I still have your guided um processing on my phone I
0: oh. have a download
1: on my phone that if I have a feeling and I can't figure out what I'm feeling but I just listen to it
0: Yeah, the guided audio of me. It's like a meditation processing of the feelings. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I still have it on my phone and I still use it. Yeah. Like you're using, you're still using the tools, right? So, you know, you figured that out. You got good at managing your emotions and processing your feelings and interrupting that automatic cycle of when you felt bad, you would drink, right? Right. So you just got really good at feeling those negative emotions over time, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, what happens six months in? Like, how much were you drinking less?
1: Um, I don't drink through the week at all anymore. And Mm -hmm. I made a conscious decision one and I, I, and I, I took all the alcohol to my house Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm only going to drink if we go out to a restaurant and I would have like two glasses of wine and that would be it. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I made that conscious decision one month and I don't remember which month it was, but I'm like, I'm going to buy a bottle of wine and I'm going to put it in my refrigerator Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because the real test comes when it's there and available and I can open it up and pour it. You know, if I don't have wine in the house, I have to leave. I have to go to the grocery store. I have to go to a convenience store that sells wine. I have to go to the liquor store. I have to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I work from home, and it's, you know, something's like us, it's not worth it. And I would just stay home. So I went on purpose, and that bottle of wine stayed in my refrigerator for about six weeks. You yeah. know, and a friend came to visit, and I said, okay, two glasses of wine apiece. That's all we're having. Mm-hmm. And we had that bottle of wine, like probably, but it sat in my refrigerator for a good six weeks. Yeah. And it was tempting. There were days where I'd open the refrigerator, I'd stare at it, and I'd stand there and I would take a deep breath and I would just let it pass. And then I'd shut the refrigerator door and get a glass of water. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it was there because I wanted to have that in my house.
0: Yeah. Well, you wanted to feel empowered around it, right? Like you wanted to feel in control, like didn't matter. We talk about this a lot. And I think at the beginning, you should set yourself up for success in any way that looks like. So if you want, like you did, you removed all the alcohol from your house to make it easier for you to follow your plans, right? Like that is an empowering way to think about it. Not that I can't be around it because I have no control. That's not a very empowering way to think about it, right? But you're like, I'm choosing not to have it in my house. Cause I want to be successful. It's a great way to think about it. And then you made progress and then you're like, oh, I don't, I want to feel free, right? I don't want to be controlled if it's in the house, out of the house, all that. And so you did that intentionally. And I remember you doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it worked.
1: And my favorite bottle of wine. <laughs> Thank <Saint laughs> God Riesling. My favorite bottle sat in the refrigerator for six weeks.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I would open the refrigerator and I would, now I was still I was still had a drink plan during that time period. Mm-hmm. But my drink plan would be, okay, we're going out to dinner. And I'll have two glasses of
0: wine while I'm out to dinner. Mm-hmm.
1: So it wasn't like that six weeks I went totally without alcohol.
0: Right. But it's more the at home type trigger. At home, yeah. this
1: triggers that would have triggered me to, oh, it's been a stressful day. I need the bottle of wine.
0: hmm Yeah.
1: And for me, that gave me the uh, knowledge that I can that I can do it. I yeah. don't have to. I don't have to avoid the bar that restaurant that has a bar. I don't have Mm -hmm. to avoid going to my cousin's house who has alcohol. I don't have Mm -hmm. to avoid any of those situations because I know I can be around it and be okay with it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So what did you like What when you did get triggered or you felt like, you know, like obviously like your brain suggested that you drink sometimes, right? (laughs) Like what were some of the tools that you found really helpful or what did you do during those times when you really wanted it?
1: Well, and that was one of the things that you taught us early on in the very beginning is that, you know, you have that deep breath and let that urge pass
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you do. And I would take those deep breaths and I'd just be like, okay, I know you want the glass of wine brain, but shut up. We're not doing that now. <laughs> and I would talk to myself, you promised yourself if I want wine, I can have it tomorrow, but I'm not changing my drink plan today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I would talk to myself and tell myself, okay, brain, I know you want it,
0: mm-hmm. but we're
1: not having it today.
0: hmm So just acknowledging that you wanted it and re reaffirming your commitment and just doing some deep breaths. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. And if
1: you, if you do the work and you put it into, if you put the time and the effort into it, it works.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. So then what happened? So you went through the program, you became a mentor. So you helped other people inside the program, which was amazing. You did. um, Didn't you do some races and some physical activity too (laughs) that year?
1: I did. Um, my sister is on race number 32 of 50. She's doing a half marathon in every state and she was coming to Pennsylvania to do one in Gettysburg and our family decided to make it a family half marathon. So, and that was, and I walked it, I didn't run. Um, I'm not a runner, but I walked it and that was the first one I did. And then I did, so I've done a couple of those with her. Mm -hmm. Um, the last time she did a half marathon, I did a 10 K I didn't do the full one, but we still meet when she's in a state that's close enough to us, we'll meet, go for the weekend and
0: do the races together. So fun. So more physical activity, feeling better, feeling like you're living again, right? That was your whole goal when you started. It's like that. Was my that goal. I want to work on this. I'm like when you were at that point, and I think we'll we'll talk about this in a minute, but so Laura coaches now. She's became a certified life coach, like after going through this program. So now she is building her practice on coaching bereaved mothers to start living again. And so describe what that looked like for you. Like, how did you know you were ready to kind of work on stuff? I mean, the alcohol thing obviously needed to be addressed before you could start living again. Cause that was holding you back. Right. And you recognize that the alcohol was definitely holding you back from doing some of the things that maybe you were just beginning at that point to kind of want to start doing again, I'm guessing. So kind of tell me like where your mind was at that time about the process or the timing around Michael's death. And then, you know, you, you dealt with it the best that you could deal with it for a certain amount of time. But were, were you feeling something like I'm ready? I'm wondering, what can I do? How can I support myself? Like what was happening?
1: Well, like I said earlier, I was tired of watching other people live. And I'm yeah. like, you know, this is no way to live. I have 30 or 40 more years on this earth. Mm. That's right, if I'm mm-hmm. lucky. And I don't want to spend them miserable and unhappy. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm always going to miss my son. Yes, I'm always going to love my son. But I still have people around me. I still have my other son. I still have family. I still have friends. And I choose, I wanted to choose to live again, to be alive. And I couldn't imagine having another 30 years of sitting in front of the TV on Thanksgiving day, drinking myself numb Mm -hmm. and not having the time with my family and the people that I love. Yeah. So it was at that conscious choice, not that I, you know, like you don't put your kid in the past, you don't forget your kid. Right. You just um, learn to live with both the grief and the love in your body. And yeah. that's the yeah. that's the way I describe it is learning to live with both grief and love. I'm yeah. always gonna miss them, I'm always gonna love them. And I'm always gonna talk about them. Yeah. When people talk about their kids, I talk about Michael.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and I love hearing stories and I love, you know, when his friends will call me up and say, Well, Michael told me never to tell you this, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I love hearing his stories and I love talking about Mm him. So
0: yeah. So I I think that's just really like so basically, you know, I talk a lot on the podcast and in my programs and all the things. It's like listening to yourself that you heard that within yourself probably for a while, I'm guessing, before you took some action. Right. So like but I think maybe you just weren't super conscious of it, or maybe there wasn't an offer for you to like kind of do it, right? That I was presenting to you in that moment. But like you listened to what you wanted to do. And oftentimes we don't do that or don't know how to do that. But I think that's something to just note. Like Laura in her internal mind said, This isn't how I want to live my life. But she actually did something about it. And so if you guys have. Those ideas, those thoughts, knowing things that could be different, it's just take take the first step, take the first action into listening to yourself and what it is that you want to do with your life, and and figure it out. Because look at where you are now. Like, had you not listened to that and you would have ignored that, what do you think it would look like now? Probably much of the same, right? If not much worse. Same.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was on a whole lot of after Michael died. I I jumped into a whole lot of Facebook groups for um, moms that lost children. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I would read over and over and over again, stories of moms who said, my daughter died 20 years ago. I'm not myself. I can't get out of bed in the morning. My hair is all falling out. My teeth are all falling out. My fingernails are all brittle. And I just, I just want to go be with my daughter. And I'm thinking, I removed myself from a lot of those groups because there was no hope there. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to hope that life could get good again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why I decided I wanted to be a life coach. Cause I'm looking at some of these moms that don't know how they don't have the tools. They don't, not that you move on, not that you forget. Cause you never move on. You just mm-hmm. learn how to live with it. Yeah. And that's when I decided I wanted to help other bereaved moms. I wanted to give them some hope and I wanted to give them an idea that life can be better.
0: Yeah. You're such a good example of it. Really? <laughs> You really are. And you're working. So Laura also works full-time as a nurse. She's starting her own. So she's worked full-time through all of this, did the work in the program, right. During COVID, all Mm -hmm. of it. And so the people that say, I don't have time, Laura is like, I will show you, you, (laughs) you know, like you work full-time, you did the work in the program, you supported being, you know, being a mentor inside the program that you went through life coach certification and now you're starting your own practice and building like all of your own online systems and stuff like that. So like, listen, <laughs> if Laura can do it, you guys can. And she has a family and friends and travels and does all the things. So I think the time thing is important just to know that if you want it, you can make time for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's taking up your time, right? Like that think about how much time the drinking was taking up for you. Oh, a lot. Yeah. It was occupying all of your free time. Sounds like. Yep. Yeah.
1: I would start drinking wine while I was cooking dinner. Then I would drink wine as I watched TV and then I would fall asleep. Yeah. You know, it was, um, and I wasn't living, like I said, I just truly wasn't living. I was existing and I just got to the point where I I didn't want to do that anymore.
0: Yeah. So glad you listened to yourself.
1: And I, and it, you know, I didn't know how to, you know, I would tell myself every Monday, I'm not going to drink this week. I'm not going to drink this week. We get to Wednesday, and it would be like, oh fuck it, I'm going to have wine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and you know, and I, I would tell myself over and over, but I didn't know how to help myself. I needed somebody to guide me through it, and that's where yeah. you came in at the perfect time and the perfect um, place in my life. That, you know, I was I was like, well, how is she going to help me? She's never lost a child. <laughs> but at that point, I wasn't really looking for. That type of support I was looking for. How do I quit drinking? Yeah, and everything you said made sense.
0: Yeah, and I'm fun, right?
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) laugh and we could like you know um, during coaching sessions. And I just remember the first time I laughed after my son died, Mm -hmm. feeling that I can't laugh like my kid's dead, Um, and I thought I would never laugh again. Mm -hmm. And you know but Michael was the kind of kid that made everybody laugh and he wouldn't have wanted me to continue that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. No matter what kind of coaching or support you might need, if you've been trying to do something on your own and you keep hitting a stumbling block, there's absolutely no shame in getting help for that. Right. Like I, I know how to help people stop over drinking. That's my specialty, right? I've done it myself. I've developed multiple programs for that. And if, and and for you, like you can help grieving moms come out of it. They don't know, like they don't have this structure or the training and all the things that you've done, right? And right. sometimes it just helps to have a guideline or a process or a container. Um, so you can figure that out and have the support along the way. And, it, and And you'll just get to your results faster that you want when you get support. And it's more enjoyable when you know you're not alone. Right? right and you can have somebody you can talk about the hard stuff with without judgment without making it mean anything about yourself so the support piece i think is really really critical you don't need to do any of this stuff alone there and and you don't have to invest a lot of money into it either i mean laura did invest in my higher end coaching program um but a lot of people get help by listening to this podcast you know so it doesn't have to be a big investment, either, but getting support, list, finding that community type thing is really, really helpful.
1: Right, and and I, and I do think just getting to know some of the other yes. women in the program, hearing their stories, and being able mm-hmm. to share, this is what I found that helped me. This is what mm-hmm. you know. It is. it's it gives you. A, I look back at the people that were in the program when I started that helped me and gave mm-hmm. me those things, and that's you know I like. Still doing that is trying, you know, helping the newer ones come come along yeah. and figure it out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because you do need
1: community. And we are meant to be social creatures. We're not meant to do anything in isolation.
0: Right. Yeah. And it removes a lot of the shame that you have, especially around the drinking, when you can feel free to talk about it and not be judged. You know, you know that it's a private group that nobody else has
1: access to. Nobody's gonna yes. hear you coaching that's not right. in the program. Right. Um, and it was very safe. Mm-hmm. It was a very place to be and
0: you're a part of it
1: I'm glad I was too and I'm glad that I found you when I found you and you know it was a, and I the universe just put us in the right path at the right time and I
0: truly believe that's how things work the way they're yeah and when you're ready like we talked about right like you were ready at that point too it just you weren't super conscious of it at that point yet but you were hearing yourself and you were listening to yourself like this is not I don't want to be 20 years down the line with my hair falling out. I don't want that. You knew right. that. Right. That's and I not, knew
1: that. And I, yeah. And that's why I chose to figure out. Yeah. Because I would look at, you know, I still have my other And I didn't. And Mark actually had said to me at one point in time, Mom, I'm still here
0: mm-hmm.
1: because, you know, he lost his brother, too.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, it was hard for him. And he'd be like, but I'm still here. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it took me a long time to get to the point where I wasn't the mom that was hovering over him and like making sure that, you know, he called me every, every other day, every day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He sent me a text every day. It took me a while to realize that he still gets to live his own life. Mm -hmm. i made my choices. He gets to make his choices, but I was so afraid in the beginning. What if something happens to him too? Yeah. And that was like almost paralyzes you with fear. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, didn't want to be that way anymore
0: yeah and it's so good to know you didn't have to right right you don't have to say like that if you don't want to and you made that happen for yourself so and nice you know and I believe it's a choice I made that it was the yeah. choice
1: that I made that to figure out how to live again because that was you know that was my choice
0: yeah and you and slayed it, it Laura Young <laughs> <laughs>
1: I did because it's so much more fun now. You know, if I go, you know, instead of coming home and just drinking after work, I can go for a walk. I can go for a hike. I can train for a half marathon. You can sell your tea. I mean.
0: I can do a whole bunch
1: of stuff (laughs) that I wasn't doing before. You know, it's so much more fun. Yeah. That's
0: so good. All right. How do people find you? Like on the Um, interwebs.
1: My Facebook page is life, life coaching for bereaved moms. Okay. Um, my website is CoachLaraYoung.com. Okay. And my email address is CoachLaraYoung@outlook.com.
0: Nice. We'll, we'll put in, um, your links in the show notes too, but if you know of somebody who Laura might be able to help, please forward on her information to them. She's an amazing person and she had the same and training as me, you know, mm-hmm. with the life coaching and-, and they
1: can go on my website and sign up to get my emails. Yes, because yes. I do. A, I do a email, a weekly email, and it's right on my website. They can look back at my blogs that I've been writing, and you know, maybe gain a little bit of insight into what it's yeah, like.
0: Yeah, you wrote some really good blogs, blogs about like around the holidays and birthdays and milestone type things too. That's really helpful for people. So, Laura's a real deal, and if you need help, you should call her. <laughs> All right, Laura, anything else you feel like they should know about life coaching? feeling
1: if they're on the fence about it just do it
0: (laughs) because it is if
1: if you put the time and the effort and the work into it it's going to change your life
0: oh so good i'm so glad you're here thank you for coming on the podcast thank you for having me you're welcome we'll talk to you all soon Talk to you soon bye bye so what did you guys think of laura are you inspired if laura can do it so can you i love you all we'll talk to you soon i